Welcome to the Port Ford Podcast. I have uh, David and Merrick, and today we're going to be doing a special inter- uh, interview uh, episode. Um, we're talking with Kyle Elcott. Uh, Kyle, say hello. Woo. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi, audience. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us. Um, so, Kyle, you are with the uh, the Glaze Conference. Um, can you uh, give us the pitch for the Glaze Conference? Yes. Uh, it is the greatest, most awesome conference ever to happen in human history. Uh, just, just kidding. Uh, except you guys didn't laugh, so that probably, apparently wasn't a very good joke. Well, no, you um, you got my hopes up, and now I'm all excited. So you, you I mean, go convince me now. <laughs> well, well, good, good. So, uh, you know, the Glaze Conference is the center and focal point uh, for the wearables in this industry. It is a chance and an opportunity for us to bring together um, investors, top press. Um, developers, designers, everybody that's interested and excited about the wearable technology industry and wearable platforms. Bringing them all together to talk about the future, the direction, what's going on all about the industry for an entire day. Great. Um, we have a hackathon. Yeah, we have, we have a hackathon for two days um, over the weekend, and then we have a conference on Monday um, talking about everything wearables and then a fashion show following it. Um, featuring some models walking down runways well, with uh, wearable tech. That's yeah, always we, exciting. Actually, we are mentioning yeah. that someone mentioned that before you got on the line, and um, I was curious if, like, they would be models like you see at a car show or if these are going to be, like, you know, neckbeard types that will be wearing tight little outfits with the glasses, <laughs> glasses and stuff so, on So, So it, um, they will be actual uh, fashion runway models. That's so, good. So um, none of yeah, not necessarily the ones you see on at, at car shows or, per se, Victoria's Secret uh, fashion shows, but somewhere in between. Um, and they'll be wearing uh, various fashion lines in addition to wearable products. Nice. So, um, wearable kind of speaks for itself, but kind of, can you give me a description of what what is a wearable tech or wearable computer? What does that mean? So, in, in the description that's, that's going around in the industry, and, and hopefully, you know, if there's any question, we'll solidify during the conference here the coming weeks. Um, but right now, it's, you know, anything that obviously you can wear, um, but uh, 
it is either internet enabled or um, application driven. So you can connect to the internet with this device or it has applications on it um, that you can use just very similar to your phone or any other mobile device. So are you talking about like a sweater that lights up? Like, like are we talking about watches? Like what, what you know, give me some examples here. So, so we're, we're all over the place. And that's, I think, what's really exciting about this industry. Um, whereas with the mobile industry, when it first began, you know, we were, we were just looking at um, personal laptops and mobile phones. And now we've progressed into this whole wide world of wearables where it could be clothing. Um, we've talked to a few companies, and there may be some at the conference, who do, in fact, have clothing that lights up, changes upon mood. Um, one company we're, we're talking with actually had a dress that Katy Perry wore to an award show, and it was a sheer white dress, and she was able to change the colors of the dress. So in one picture, she looks like she's wearing a blue dress. In the next picture, it's purple, yellow, and green. Um, which is something we, we haven't seen before. All the way up to jewelry, um, we're talking optics, whether it's, you know, things like Google Glass, or, you know, your everyday bifocals and, and glasses, um, to goggles. You know, we've, we've been talking with uh, Recon Instruments who make snowboarding goggles and skiing goggles that have some wearable technology built into them. Like uh, a heads-up display or something like that? Yes. Yep. So you can see exactly like the trail map, or you can see your speed, uh, which is pretty wild. If, if any anyone out there is a skier, snowboarder, uh, including how much airtime you have. Oh, nice. Um, if I had that as a yeah, if I had that as a kid, I probably would have had a lot more broken bones. Um, <laughs> just trying to trying to beat my number every time. But uh, yeah, so we you know we have all those. We have watches, um, and again jewelry. I mean the the possibilities right now are endless. And, you know, we're starting to see some of these silos, if you will. So it's a buzzword out this this, uh, this interview. Um, we're starting to see different silos pop up. You have the optics. You have watches. You have fashion, which breaks down into jewelry and, and clothing, um, amongst other items. Okay. Nice. Um, I have a little bit of ADD, so hopefully I'm not derailing us, but you did mention watches, and that's something I feel like are about to happen all at once, right? Because I feel like I've been seeing a lot of articles about these watches, and it, I, I feel like that's soon, right? Yeah, yeah. So let me let me throw this back at you guys, because I, I will definitely we'll, – let's talk about watches, but I'm curious to hear what your guys' opinion is about the watch. Ah, okay. I mean, we, had, we, we had Samsung, we had Qualcomm. Uh, we have the Pebble, the Basis, and iWatch, if it ever happens. Um, you know, there's all these different things out there. So in your guys' opinion, what do you think about the watch? I, the watches? I think the watch is pretty cool. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues is certainly um, battery life. I mean, the Pebble, I think it was like barely over a day or maybe a day and a half on the Pebble. Um, I didn't own one, but my, my friend had one. Um, I think that the watch, I mean, it it's cool, but I don't know that the tech is ready. I think the battery life for me is a, is a big issue. Um, I would like a watch that would last for maybe three days. I know that's like not a lot, but I mean, it's a lot better than one day. If you forget to plug it in, right. And you don't have your watch all the next day. That's, that's kind of lame. Um, well, and it's, and it's not, and it's not asking that much, you know, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of these companies are going to have issues with is, you know, we're used to wearing watches that either have a battery that's very, very long-lasting, 
uh, you know, is either windable or self-winding. And you never have that problem of, oh, wait, my watch is dead two days after uh, you put it on. Right. Whereas with these devices, you do have that. You know, that is a very big drain, a very big suck that they have. And it's only going to get worse until the battery technology gets better. Um, so it's, it's kind of it's going to be kind of curious to see where that goes. I mean, Nissan just launched uh, launched a, a released a watch yesterday, I believe it was, um, that can now pair with your car. So you can have a watch that tells you all these statistics based on your driving. Um, hmm. I think there's a little bit of health involved in it as well. Like it looks gorgeous, and it looks very futuristic, very. Uh, similar to Tron. Oh, cool. Tron Legacy. Yeah, so it's got that same look and feel to it, but, you know, it's, it's made by Nissan. Uh, it's made for your Nissan car or vehicle. Um, don't know really where that's going to go. <laughs> well, to be honest, <laughs> you know, I, I have a pretty favorable opinion of Nissan because the Nissan used to be just like, eh, Nissan, and then the GTR happened, and now I'm like, oh, Nissan, oh. GTR, man. And I'm every, you know, I, I still catch myself being like, ah, boring car. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but they make the GTR, and I get all excited, and I'm like, yeah. all right, Nissan's cool. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the GTR, the, the skyline that they, they had for a while, yeah. um, they, they make some beautiful cars. It's, it's on my cars. exotic yeah. cars to buy list for sure. So It's, it's amazing. Yeah, sorry, I, we totally got on a tangent there. It's, no, that's what we so, do here. That's so how I do it. <laughs> Mostly Merrick. <laughs> so, uh, will will wearable technology always need my smartphone, Kyle? No. I, I, I honestly do not believe so. I, right now, yes. Um, because, you know, this is the start of this version of the industry. You know, there's always been some type of wearable technology in some sense you know, depending on how you define technology and when. Um, you know, the glasses I wear, for instance, could have been considered wearable technology because it was something that hadn't existed and, you know, technology at that time in, involved, you know, a pair of, pair of lenses that uh, corrected your vision. Um, and now we're in this process where technology is obviously a little bit more digital and, and computer or technical based. Um, and so a lot of these companies are trying things out and getting a product to market. Um, the easiest way to do that is make a product that has limited functionality without a paired device, but a greater functionality with a paired device like your phone. So like a middle, um, a middle ground so, where it can be right, on its own, right. but it works right. better when it has the phone with it. And, it. and if you look at it too, I mean, we went from we went from a computer to a mobile device, and now you have some of these wearable devices, and they will use watches as the example, all you're doing is, is you're shrinking the piece of technology you have to hold and still increasing the functionality with it um, or limiting it depending on, on which way you go. But it, it's the same It's the same thing. I mean, what you could do on a laptop or mobile computer is very similar to what you can do on a mobile phone, if not more in some cases. So, and, you know, that's where I think the watches industry might go. Yeah. So, um... Do you think that one of the biggest limitations is like the network? Like you kind of need the cell phone because there's no 3G technology that's going to work well with your phone. Like if there was some sort of different network that maybe it was lower speed, sort of like a like an Internet of Things. Do you think that would help move us more towards a mobile, like mobile wearables? You think? I, I think so. I mean, and and you know, there's plenty of people 
trying to make that happen. Uh, you know, open open garden is out there trying to do that. Google, Facebook. Yeah, I have um, a I have an open garden shirt. I saw them at the Bitcoin San Jose uh, conference. They look pretty cool. Yeah, they're a pretty wild company, aren't they? Yeah, so they're doing some pretty cool stuff. For those of you out there listening, uh, Open Garden basically allows you to, it's for Android only at this point, Android and PCs only, or maybe Macs too, but it allows your network devices to connect to each other via Bluetooth, I think also Wi Fi, and it sort of creates a mesh network so that if only your desktop has internet, but then something in your living room can hear the desktop, and then something in your garage can hear the living room, the mesh network, everything will have internet because it's all meshed together. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool technology. Yeah, which is wild, and, and I mean, yes, when when that infrastructure is further in place, uh, you know, then the word, it's another step for devices outside of, you know, cellular devices to have that connectivity all the time and not be reliant on another device. Right, and I mean, the chip needs to be small enough and the power, power draw needs to be small enough to fit I'm assuming on your watch, I mean, that's kind of the best target. That's kind of the best way to describe, right, as a requirement for wearables? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's what's interesting, too, is, you know, you mentioned size. And, and, again, you know, to the audience, obviously, we're just talking about a watch as an example, even though there's plenty of other uh, products out there that are considered wearable. Um, but with the watch... If you, if you look at the ones that are coming out, look at the thickness of where the display is. There's still room for advancement in the technology, or excuse me, the hardware that's going into those devices. Mm-hmm. Because think about just a normal watch and how like our, you know, our grandparents, uh, you know, early users of the, the watch, they were very thin. They, you know, they serve the purpose, they showed, show the time and show the date, but it's a very thin device. Whereas now you see watches that are much thicker. Yeah, and they some have of extra... Fashionable, well, some of them is yeah. the extra dials, right? They have the extra windows, and right. they need extra thickness for that, right? So, Right, and some of it's fashion. You know, it looks cool to have a very large watch, a very gaudy item. Um, but I I'm think the bigger the watch that, is, like, and the bigger the chain is that's hanging around your neck with the watch, the cooler you are is what I what, last thought, I think. I, I, don't know. I, think, I think that's what Fat Joe and 2 Chain have taught us. So oh, okay. I think it's, a, it's a specific I think demographic, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think hip-hop might, might have put us in that direction. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see you know, as the hardware evolves, can they actually get it down to a smaller and smaller, uh, you know, chipset or a smaller and smaller piece of hardware so that the watch isn't as thick? Um, yeah. So it actually seems like a less bulky item to wear. Um, so do you have a hard time limit before we go on? Do you have any, uh, do you have to get out of here at any time, by the way? No, no. no okay. You guys, you guys got me for... Cool. For as long as until I make a complete ass of myself. So okay. As long as no, I'm no, doing no, good. We we'll do that regularly, so you should be fine because you know no one will notice the difference. So good news. So do you see any energy <laughs> harvesting coming uh, as as far as wearables? It's uh, a great question. Um, I would like to see some. I haven't seen any yet. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we we haven't had. I haven't had much discussion around that, uh-huh. um, but I can I can tell you that there there might be a little a little bit of that during the conference. Okay. Um, 
so we'll we'll leave that to to be continued. Um, okay. Uh, we well, were able just to make the comment. kind of relevant on topic. Uh, ADD is I do remember reading an article about where the army did field some trials of boots that had small generators in them such that you know you'd step and uh, I assume the heel area or even from heel to midsection would squish down and create a little bit of power and uh, I don't recall about the storage specifically but I do remember that the soldiers themselves hated it because they said it felt like walking in sand and uh, yeah. it was quite interesting to have that you know perspective because you anytime you are going to be putting in some distance carrying some weight it makes it worse when you're walking in sand so I I don't know if they started looking in other directions with that or not but it was just something that comes to mind when you talk about energy harvesting uh, I guess Ben were you thinking of anything else or was that so I had a couple ideas uh, one you know would be um, a just like the traditional watch where you have a weight. That's on around the center, and it spins around as you as you twist your 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 wrist, and it winds up some kind of spring or something. Right. It seems like you could mm-hmm. even do that, just that same exact mechanism, and then drive a generator as opposed to driving, you know, the watch mm-hmm. mechanism. Um, right. I guess it would just for that it would just depend, uh, depend on the display and what power would be necessary for the display. If right. I mean that. Yeah. Is eating. I think that would work perfect for. Probably. Um, yeah. Whereas a full. Yeah, for a full color display like the gear has, um, that's that's going to be a little different. But I mean, you know, there, there's there's other options. There's actually a company that I was looking at today who were were talking about for the conference, uh, but they were doing the same kind of thing with shoes, except it was more consumer based. So it was like it was an actual running shoe rather than you know something that uh, like an army field boot, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where they're going with it, but it is a concept that has gone from, you know, military use to hopeful consumer use very soon. Well, the, the issues I see with the military boot is that you're literally robbing the spring out of your step, right? When you step down, right. you, you want all of the energy to bounce back up, and that's part of the rubber on the bottom of your mm-hmm. sole, right? And if you're taking right. away, it feels like you're walking in sand, which is totally, totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, right, which you, which, you, which you don't want to you don't want to pay, you know, two hundred dollars for a pair of shoes that does that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but I, what I'd be curious is how does it work, uh, or does it work if you're doing other type of exercise or other type of um, engagement? So, are you, you know, if you're biking, for instance, the pressure that you're using to push down on the pedals does that reflect the same way? Does it feel like you're pushing down on sand, right. or is it actually, you know, like that? Or, I mean, we. I'm a big skier and snowboarder, and so the same same question. If if I'm snowboarding and my boot can create energy, you know how how does that feel when I'm pushing down on it rather plus, than rolling from heel to toe or toe to heel? In skiing and snowboarding, usually it's better the more strapped in you are and the more solidly you're connected to you know the ski and board, right? Right. Exactly. So it's just it's interesting, yeah. And again, what I mentioned earlier it was one particular implementation. So it's not to say something someone can come along with an awesome idea and, and make it work, which I'm always hopeful for, and you know, looking forward to all the cool new things. Right, and that's uh, you know, that's what's kind of exciting as well about uh, this industry in particular for me, um, because we've now reached a point where software is, you know, software costs are pretty much null. There, there costs very little to create a, an application, if anything. It's more time 
Um, however, traditionally, hardware has always been very expensive. And hardware has now come down to a very low cost point. And so what gets me going about this industry is now like the possibilities are so much greater because software costs are almost nothing. Hardware costs are very cheap. So people can prototype, people can build, conceptualize, and put something out. And you know, something that may seem like a very big idea, uh, which once was, is now very possible because the components to make it happen are very cheap. Right. Um, uh, uh, David, are you there? Do you have any uh, audio issues, or can we hear you, David? Uh, I think you can hear me. Yeah, you're doing I'm, good. I switched over to hotspot, so I think I'm doing better. All right. Do you want to ask about maybe the Bitcoin or the brain computer question here? Oh, yeah. The one that I was most interested in was, uh, as far as wearable computers, I was wondering if you think we'll get to the point where a brain-computer interface will be mainstream. Ooh. Like a, ne a next level question. above Google Glass. Instead of just being some screen in front of your eye, having something that could actually interface with your brain. <laughs> you know, there, there are a few devices out there that are doing that now. And will it, will it get there eventually? Yes. Is anyone comfortable with it now or the market <laughs> comfortable with it now? No way in hell. Uh, is right. anyone really comfortable with the idea that their brainwave could be read? I mean, it's that cool, like, uh, South by, Southwest last year, uh, mm -hmm. there was a company who had um, this product that had cat ears. And with the cat ears, there were sensors that sat on your temple. Right. And based off your brainwave, like, it, it can read your move or excuse me, your mood, and the cat ears would react very similar to a cat. So like if you're happy, they'd bend down and perk up. You know, if you're curious, they'd, they'd wiggle or, or something like that. That's pretty good. That's cool. fun. Yeah, it's fun and exciting. But when you take that to another level and, and go, you know, where you're reading brainwaves in a, in a lot deeper sense mm -hmm. and, and making reactions based on that, I, a lot of people find that very terrifying. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, people are you know, even not comfortable oh, with Google Glass right now. So, brain brain it's, computer it's interface true. is a whole other level. It's true, and that's you know I've had this conversation time and time again with a lot of people about this industry um, and industries before it. You know, the tablet, for instance, or the iPad. There were tablets prior to the iPad. Mm -hmm. At the time when they existed, there was no real use case or value that consumers felt comfortable using these products with. So they phased out. Other things happened. Confidence was built up or, or comfortable uh, comfortability. That's the word mm -hmm. I was for. That I've was, used it before. I don't not, know if it's a real word or not, but I, you've yeah, got my well, vote of confidence. If not, I mean, twerk is in the dictionary, so that works. <laughs> so we um, should easily get rid of twerk and add comfortability. There you go, exactly. And, and you know, over time, that was built up. People started using iPads and finding real-world world uses for it. Just like this, people will find a real-world use for it once the time comes and once the market is comfortable. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, up until then, it's going to be very futuristic or very science fiction-y. People are going to be very nervous unless it's fun. You know, imagine playing a video game, um, which I think there's a few companies working on this now, where you you're wearing a headset. We, we saw this in science fiction movies as kids and as adults growing up. It, you put on you know, this helmet that reads your brainwaves and you can actually interact with the game and not have to have a controller and it can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. That, that's cool. But you know, in the real world, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go, and it's, it's a little, still a little new and terrifying. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, one last question, and then I want to ask you some more personal stuff. But um, do you envision uh, Bitcoin intersection, intersecting with wearable technology anytime soon? Yes. Oh, crap. I totally read an article about this uh, this morning, too. But, yes, I do. I, I, I do. Um, you know, Bitcoin being the virtual currency, it works very easily on, on something that's, you know, a mobile or wearable device. Uh-huh. Um, as more companies start to adapt the use of it, I think, yeah, it, it, it will. I think uh-huh. it'll go along very similar with mobile payments and, and kind of mobile wallets where you no longer have to hold a credit card, you no longer have to hold a dollar or a piece of currency and, you know, can trade and interact with it to buy goods and services. Yeah, something I assume they're working on right now because I remember seeing an article, reading an article about how there's a couple of phones coming out with – or they're theorizing and people are assuming the rumor mill, what have you. Uh, a couple of phones are coming out with fingerprint scanners in the home buttons or in various parts of the yeah. phone. And I was just – that was the where my mind immediately jumped was you pull out your phone, you put your finger on it, and you're like, bow, send five Bitcoin or 20 bucks to freaking person right here for XYZ. And then, you know, the transaction's done. And it hits your fingerprint, yeah. and then you feel better about, you know, your – device being connected to your accounts at least there's that one you know last little security step instead of you losing your phone and someone just pillaging your finances yeah and you know that's a it's an interesting um technology to put into mobile devices because for a long time when it was in laptops and just general you know uh, accessories it, it it was wasn't very useful it was poorly and implemented Right. Yeah, poorly implemented. People didn't really understand how to use it, or it didn't didn't again have a real world case. And to be honest, it can be very easily gamed or, or tricked. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious in these particular companies who might be coming out with this tomorrow um, in their phones how that's going to work. Um, because you know I have fingerprints all over my phone. My my thumbs are all over it, just like anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Other people are using it. There's oil. There's you know. That's a good point. Dirt, everything else. Like how how good is that button going to work? That's kind of like and, writing writing your password on the computer, right? And then having that at the a lock screen, right. a sticky note on your monitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> password one two three. Do not forget. Um, but yeah, it's like and, and, you know, is it going to be a scanner? Are you going to have to roll your entire thumb? Is mm-hmm. it going to take a certain Part of that, um, and it's also going to have to be pressure sensitive. I, I was I signed up um, for Clear services at the airport at FFO. So I, instead of having to go through security and wait in all those long lines, I go through this private little line, and they have my hand handprints and fingerprints and retinas and everything else, little personal detail they can know about me. Um, and one of the things is, is when I have when I go in, I have to give a thumbprint along with my four other fingers. Mm-hmm. But if the pressure isn't right, the fingerprint doesn't read, or it says that it's not valid, even though I clearly know that it's my hand and my my fingerprint. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. We'll we'll see, you know, in terms of pressure, how it handles with dust and dirt, boils, and other people's fingerprints. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. And maybe no, this if, is, maybe it's all it's all. Have, 
quite valid critique, and you even reminded me of something else I saw maybe on Hacker News where it was a heartbeat sensor, and it, yeah. the, the basic concept was very similar except for that what I didn't know until I saw this was that everybody's heartbeat is unique also and that that's another way to, you know, you could use that as authorization, which was c- pretty cool to me. That, um, that would be kind of interesting. Like, my heart's beating. Yeah, so this this particular one I saw was a little bracelet, and the name escapes me right now, but I'll uh, try to track it down and put it in the show notes. And um, I feel like it wasn't – you know, I had the impression this was – this product was essentially ready to go. I don't remember if it was in the crowdfunding stage or what the details were, but I I skimmed the page, and I was like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. Here's here's a question real quick for the the viewers or for the listeners is – how how well do you think that works? Because if your heartbeat at a relaxed pace is one thing, but then when adrenaline kicks in, it's another, and so on and so on. Where's the range? I think how I feel like they go? have they're taking that into account, like such that uh, you know everybody's thumb or fingerprint would look the same, but there's these subtle variances, thus the grooves on your thumb or fingers that actually make it unique. I kind of assume a similar thing is going I on. Didn't, I heard. thought it wasn't about the speed of your heartbeat. I thought it was about the sound that the heart echoes through, oh. your, through your blood veins and stuff. So, so it wouldn't matter the speed you were beating or whatever. Yeah. Right. Interesting. All right. All right. So yeah, we'll have to we'll make sure in the show notes and then we can keep that in mind and then like you said this those you know the the fingerprint thing there's those are all you know good points about how that could not work out and you also reminded me of a mythbusters where they actually uh they practiced in like you know implement five various ways yeah. to beat the system and they like broke through all the thumbprint securities like it was like all right that's not the safest thing uh but at you know following uh, you did mention the whole handprint that you know adds a layer or at least you know makes it more secure and then the retina scan is supposed to be super secure but I, that's just off the top of my head i'm not an expert on that or anything so who knows but didn't didn't, didn't someone break that in the movie wasn't it mission impossible, mission impossible yeah but he just yeah he, Cut his head off, or he just pushed his head against it after he was dead. So, yeah. I mean, realistically, I don't know. Could be gained is what we're saying. I, I'm, I'd be curious to know if those machines could tell the difference between a live eye and dead eye. And I feel like it should be a basic security check. Be like, is the, yeah. li- the eye yeah. alive? I mean, maybe there's no way to tell optically. That's... No, you you could totally take an infrared camera and look for blood mm-hmm. through blood vessels that are warm and pumping blood. Yeah, it should eye. be the right temperature if it's like yeah. you know cooling off because they just cut his head off and be like, I don't know. Don't let this guy I'm in. Not I think let this guy in. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna have to check that before we implement our retina scan security, just for security purposes. So, um, Kyle, I, I want to learn a little, a little bit more about you. Um, you are the founder of Stained Glass Labs. So, can you tell us about Stained Glass and kind of what you guys do? Yeah. So, um, my partner and I, Reg Stodgrass, um, came up with. Stained Glass Labs, which is an incubator surrounded around everything wearable, so from wearable tech to wearable platform. Um, We help incubate companies that are either building software for these devices, so applications or, uh, you know, SDKs, whatever it may be, along with those that are actually building uh, the hardware devices, so a company that is building 
a competitor to Google Glass or a heads-up display in pilot helmets, for instance. Um, we work with all these companies and help take them from either an idea or a concept or a working company um, to revenue generation and help them get funding and marketing and design and development. So how long is the incubator run for? So right now we're on, we do ongoing classes. Okay. Um, our typical class size is, is, or time is about nine months. Okay. And then at that point we do um, kind of like a recap, look at what's going on, you know, where are you at. When it comes to hardware, we need more time. Right, of course. Um, that's why we do the nine-month classes. When it comes to software, it's something we can probably pump out in a month, two, or three, um, and then work with the company for a continued, few continued months to make sure that the business is sustained and you know, they're actually making money and they can continue to grow and, and scale. Um, but yeah, we're looking right now at nine months, and then after that we do a few checks and see if we need to keep them on board for longer you know, or if it's something that they can then go out and um, be released into right. the world. So how much money do you give and uh, what percent equity do you take? So those terms right now are, are private. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Because No, 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 no. So it's okay. So we're, we're looking, I'll give you ranges because that's, that's a little easier to do. Uh -huh. um, so in terms of percentage, uh, you know, anywhere from 6 to 10. Uh -huh. And then in terms of capital, we're looking at all the way from the low end of twenty-five thousand mm -hmm. on, on an early stage, um, all the way up to you know one point five, okay, uh, two million. On and the, I on suppose that depending period, on right? hardware, software that can affect it too, obviously, right? Because yeah. you know, like you said, right? You know, a software, you know, a software company, for instance, may only need twenty-five thousand. They may need a lot less than that because of how fast they can kick something out. Whereas a hardware company is going to need a lot of money to going to prototyping, distribution, uh, marketing and sales. There's a lot more that we're all aware of um, that I don't need to go into that is going to come with that company as opposed to software. So mm -hmm. that's why the, the range is so great and you know, it can't be very specific on you know, this company or that company as of right now. So, so I'm curious, since you're more than actively involved in wearable tech, do you catch yourself like ever being biased towards things or can you do you feel like you can more or less apply an objective point of view like when it comes to you know what these emerging trends like for instance you know your um review of the the fingerprint thing was the thumbprint security was pretty accurate so do you ever feel like you're like well wow i'm so excited about this this is going to be huge or do you usually like are you able to look at things objectively I look at a lot of things objectively. My background is in a lot of different areas, from mm -hmm. development, design, business, to product, to sales and marketing. Like I have a very uh, wide range of skills along with my partners, so both of us um, look at things very objectively. Granted, nice. it's always fun to find something that gets you really excited, and you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing, or this is going to be the next trend. Mm -hmm. um, but because of what we do, and you know, how we help people and how we work with people, we have to be objective. Mm -hmm. um, so while it's fun to jump on board something, you can only jump on for so long before you have to go back to reality and say, okay, this, this is a great idea and it's, it's amazing, but it's really not going to be a sustainable business. Cool so and the, the follow-on question is, since you're a champion of all this stuff, you 
pretty much obligated to wear it all, right? Like all the time. Like as all the stuff that ever goes through your guys' shop, you're gonna have to wear that stuff forever, right? <laughs> it, it's true. It's true. We we are uh, um, human walking billboards uh, nice. for for a lot of this stuff, um, and we've been very very gracious uh, in in receiving some pretty exciting product already, and have been playing around with it and wearing it out. Um, I know at the conference there's a few things that we're going to be wearing and, and showcasing off while um, Reg and myself are on stage, and so it's it's pretty exciting. But yes, we do do get the opportunity to wear some of this uh, fun gadgetry um, and play um, with some of the applications that are that are being developed. So, I mean, you you, you can't just go and start an incubator, uh, you know, just on your own. So, can you talk a little bit about raising yeah. the fund for that and kind of where some of that came from? Uh, well, what do you mean you can't just do it on your own? I thought I thought all I have to do is sign a piece of paper, call a few people, and boom, it happens. <laughs> well, that's not how the business works. <laughs> it's that easy. Um, hey guys, I gotta go. Later. I'm gonna go start an incubator. So it was good talking <laughs> to you, but I, I need to go do that and buy a GTR right after. So don't don't worry. I have the paperwork, and I know a guy that sells GTRs, so we can make this happen for that's you awesome. within an hour. All right, that's it. Post show meetup, <laughs> GTR buying time. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 uh, there is a lot that goes into it. Um, by no means are we working nine to five and then the day has ended. Uh, you know, Reg and I and our team have been nonstop all the time every day to, to prepare and, and build this company. Um, when it comes to raising the fund, you know, the, the way we started is we started with the incubator and the idea of a fund and not sure of how long or how much we were going for. Uh-huh. And then as time went on, talking with investors and talking with um, our amazing group of mentors, um, we kind of came to a very good number or figure uh, that we were looking to raise. And so we're in the process of raising a portion of that, and then we'll raise the remaining uh, within the coming year. And so it, it is a lot of work because you have – Sorry, sorry guys, we have a, a dog in the office who loves to bark. That's um, all right. But <laughs> hope the audience enjoyed that one. That's good. But, uh, oh, so yeah, so there's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, we, we formed the incubator. We knew what we wanted to do. Uh, you know, we found our area of interest. And then with the fund, we did a lot of discussions, a lot of talks, uh, a lot of research of how much can we raise, how should we raise it, who should it come from. And then based on that, started to implement those ideas and, and those initiatives. Uh, and then, you know, the next progression was the conference. So we did the incubator, the fun, and now we're putting together the conference uh, in addition to all that to help really bring the industry all together and teach people how to build businesses and, you know, show people out there that there is money, there are people interested in this space, you know, the press is interested, uh, there's developers out there and, and really want to bring everybody together. So can you tell tell me what the difference between pitching to an investor for a startup is and pitching to an investor for, for an incubator fund? Like what are some of the differences between those processes? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm loving this. By the way, I used to interview people all the time, so I love your guys' questions. Great, thank you. Um, these, are, these are great. You're welcome. Um, that's just another GTR for you right there. Um, <laughs> So when it when it comes to an incubator with us, you know, we're going to be having a very long-standing, close relationship with you. Uh-huh. Um, it's not something where we're just going to give you money and, and 
see you every once in a while or be active for a short amount of time and then uh, you know stop step in on your board meeting. Uh, we're actually going to be you're going to be sitting in our facility, you're going to be sitting in our office every single day, and we're going to be checking in with you, working with you on a day you know day to day basis, or someone from our team is going to be. And so you need to be very open and very personal with us, um, which is which is difficult when you are generally pitching to angels and VCs, right? Because they want to know numbers, 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 numbers. Whereas with an incubator, we need to know those things too, but we also need to know you. We need to know you know, what's your vision for this? Where is this going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to take this to the next step? Um, which is which is a little non-traditional in, in, in some sense. And so I'd say that's one of the biggest differences is I need to know you. I need to know that you're you're in this for the long haul and this isn't something that you're going to ditch out on in, in three months and, you know, we waste the time and money and effort on you. Right, right. Um, so I'd say that, that's one of them. And then when it comes to... Uh, you know, when you pitch to VCs, again, you're, you're usually getting a network, you're getting some capital, um, and you're getting them to work with you and, and generally a board seat. With us, you're getting a lot more than that. You're going to have services, you're going to have an office space, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. And so you, we also need to see that you're going to be appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. um, because we don't want to just help people that are just going to take advantage of the system and, you know, pump out crappy products. Like, we want to see that you're really into this and you're really excited about what you're doing and, you know, are going to produce something of quality rather than junk. Do you, do you guys have, I don't know, dorms or whatever you call them, and do you require people to live in the space with you? So we, we do not have dorms, even though that would be awesome. Um, I would love to have a castle that <laughs> we could just host people in um, and, and kind of have, like, this center ballroom, just a co-working space. Uh -huh. um, that would be Ooh, amazing. With a big round but, table uh, made of stone. <laughs> with with a with a, a game or a chair of throne, if you yeah. will, at the end of it. Um, and every week or every day, someone gets to sit in it and pretend like they're Joffrey, which would be horrendous but entertaining. Um, but no, so we, we do have a space um, in San Francisco, uh, which we we host uh, some of the companies that we're currently working with, and we'll be hosting more uh, in the coming months. And that's where everybody works out of. We have events that we do there, um, and then do fun, other other fun stuff. Do you require food. that they work there? No. Um, de well, it depends on what they're doing. I mean, some of the hardware companies, um, you know, we're we're putting in a little bit of a workshop, but there's going to be times where they're going to need other things and have to work out of possibly their own office space mm -hmm. um, with a more larger, you know, machine shop, for instance. Right, and so no, we don't necessarily require them. Um, however, we do do encourage it, um, especially from your you know, point of view. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, from your point of view, do you yeah. imagine someone could get into the hardware startup scene and be able to use resources out there such as Tech Shop and not need to necessarily even build or find shop space? You know, for and from a traditional point of view, do you, do you feel like we're to a point where someone can take like outsource, outsource the machine shop, basically. Yeah, an idea to a prototype yeah, yeah. to a product without necessarily going the traditional route. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, nice. you know, just look, look at what you can do with a 3D printer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's you know, that, that's one step. Um, but, yeah, I mean, outsourcing to a machine shop, I think that's, that's a great idea, especially if you're looking to build an idea and just prototype it and see if it happens. 
you know, take advantage of the opportunities that are out there rather than going out and spending, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars uh, to build something you don't necessarily need at the moment. Okay. So just backing up one quick topic, um, are you familiar with the term slideware? Slideware? Meaning software that's I, only described on the on slides and there's no tangible, you know, it's just, oh, these are our slides and this is what we're going to build. Or hardware, I guess. You oh. Could do that also? I, I, I've, I've yeah. never heard that term. And I've given pictures on that exact exact same thing, but I've never heard of it as that term. <laughs> so what's the most ridiculous piece of, you know, slideware that you've seen if you want to share or if you can share? Uh, Maybe... Uh, Maybe change the names or the idea to protect the innocent, but still, like, at least impart some of the shock you had upon us. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm, this, is, this is tough. I don't know if I can come up with one on the spot. All right. Um, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, so let's, let's get another question. I'll, if I can think of it, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll blurt okay. it out and interrupt you. So does, uh, does outsourcing turn you off when you see people coming into your accelerator, if they've outsourced a big part of their, you know, application or whatever? So when when you refer to outsourcing, you're talking outsourcing or well, offshoring. Either either way, actually, right? Because I mean, the 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 value isn't being generated by the team; it's being generated by someone else over the internet, regardless right. if they're in you know Minnesota or they're in the Philippines, right? Right. Uh, you know, it, personally, it, it it doesn't. I mean, I would love to make I would love to have everything built by the team. I think that it it comes with a very authentic feeling that you know that, especially if, if we're working with one of these teams and we see that everything, every piece, every part, every design, everything has been made by the team in some way. Mm -hmm. um, but in some cases, that's, that's not always possible. Um, sometimes you have to do go out, you do have to go out to those outside areas. I, and I've worked with a lot of teams in the past that, whether it's development or it's design, you know, your resources, on a team or uh, can be capped, and if you go outside of that team, you can usually get them on a much greater scale. Right. And I'm not talking about off offshoring per se, but even outsourcing. I've worked with uh, on products where uh, we only had one designer, but we needed four or five, mm -hmm. and I was able to reach out to an agency or reach out to um, you know other designers that I knew mm -hmm. who could step in, do some work, kind of be that outsourced team for us and, you know, get the product done and, and still feel as if they're part of the team, even though they you know, aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, offshoring, there's companies that I've worked with in the past that have offshored entire development teams um, because they can get a team of 10 uh, to do the amount of work that, you know, it costs for one person. Right. Um, that That's something that I, you know, because, in my opinion, there are times when that might be necessary. Right. Uh, however, again, it's, it's better to have everything on one team. Mm -hmm. And that's how most of the companies that I've worked with and Reg um, have been. And, and we like to keep it that way. But, mm -hmm. again, you know, situations arise when, when that's not always possible. So um, when you're looking at teams, um, are you more concerned mm -hmm. with the idea and the story? Or are you more concerned with the things that they've already been able to execute? We have to look at both. Um, you know, in terms of execution, that, that is definitely a weight, but not nearly as weighted upon as, as their idea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if their 
idea is something very similar to what they've exited or had success with in the past, well then, yeah, those can be balanced because you can see, all right, idea A is what this team wants to do and they've had you know, success in a very similar industry or the same industry doing a different idea. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's going to work. Whereas if this is something brand new but it's a great idea, there's, there is a business model behind it, there is an architecture behind it, this can be done, the team members or the team itself fit and can make this work and they have the skill set to do so, then, if, you know, then you're looking at that higher than you are there their previous successes or, or exits, if you will. Um, but we still have to look at something. You know, you, I still have to see that if you're going to develop, if you're going to build a software application, I, I hope you've been a developer at some point in your life. Right, right. You, you're, you're not going very far very quick. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think it's, you know, it, it, uh, it depends. But I, me personally, I like to see what are you doing and who is the team building it. And then go back and say, okay, well, what, what have you done in the past to justify you doing this? If it's if it equally matches, awesome. If it's a little off, okay, well, going back to the team, can this team actually execute on this? If so, yes, then you know it could be worth the risk to take and, and actually see uh, what the outcome will be. Okay, great. Um, so if somebody wanted to pitch uh, your your uh, uh, incubator specifically, uh, what would be the best approach? So right now. Uh, one, you have to get in contact with us. So you can either go to our, our page on AngelList and submit an application for us to review, or you can go to stainedglasslabs.com and submit an application for us to review. And what we do is we take in those applications with very basic information. We review those. We see, you know, does this fit in the current class that we're in? Or, you know, is this something that might have to wait until later? Or can we still help them out in some way? Once we review the applications, then we reach out to you know, the uh, point of contact or the founding team member and start the process of getting to know the people, bringing them in, hearing their pitch, and, you know, going through the steps of, of hopefully accepting them fully into the incubator. Okay, cool. So um, transitioning a little bit, um, did, you, uh, did you go to college? And if so, did it prepare you for what you're doing today? Uh, I did. I did go to college. Um, and did it prepare me for what I'm doing today? Well, where did you go, I guess, I'd first say, off? And what, what was your major? So I, I went to uh, Eastern Michigan University okay. uh, in, in uh, the great state of Michigan. And uh, I went for computer information systems, which is part tech and part business. Okay. Um, I also uh, went to a community college for a little bit and did computer information security, um, or excuse me, computer security and computer forensics. So that's why I have the knowledge that I do about the fingerprint scanning because it was my job to figure out how those could be broken and how they could be protected. Mm. Um, yeah, and so also did some stuff with computer networking as well. Um, so obviously there's a huge nerd and technical side of me Right, uh, but then there's also a very large, large business side, uh -huh. and that business side very much uh, prepared me for for where I am today, along with, uh, you know, the career path that I chose and the uh, the opportunities that I took and and worked with to get to where we are today. Okay. Nice. 
Um, so, uh, was there any sort of uh, heroes that you've had in the industry, be it technical or be it business, that sort of influenced you today? Ooh, uh, you know, there there is one, and I because because we're talking right now, and disrupt is also going on right now. Right. Uh, one of those was Ron Conway. Okay. And I always wanted the chance to meet him or see him in person, and so I flew up for disrupt a couple years ago and got the opportunity to hear him speak, um, which. I totally nerded out about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Rod Conway. I can't wait to see him. This is going to be so exciting, which I hope he hears this podcast and is either like, oh, this kid's really cool, or <laughs> this guy's a nut. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, so, so, so Ron Conway uh, was definitely one of those. I mean, in terms of the investing side, seeing what uh, Warren Buffett has been able to accomplish, um, Jim Kramer, who's a little wacky and crazy. Oh, but, Kramer's uh, awesome. I mean, he's, he's really crazy. He's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. His, his books, if you ever get a chance to read his books, um, I think one of them is uh, Confession of a Street Addict, where right. he talks about how he got very addicted uh, to the Wall Street game and running a hedge fund and how he would make so much money and then lose it all. and make, It's crazy. It is so interesting to see his history um, and then what he's able to do today. But, I mean, those are a few. And, and then, I mean, to be honest, and, and not to be cheesy, uh, but but my father and, and my, my grandfather, uh, they were both entrepreneurs. Um, my, my dad was probably one of the biggest entrepreneur influences in my life. Uh, when we were very young, kind of gave us his factory job to start his own business, which he still does today. And was able to provide for our family and provide a very, very good living for us and, and still does today. And so he's probably the biggest of all those, um, even bigger than Ron Conway, who I got all excited and giddy about. This well, it's not, it's not cheesy. I mean, not everybody has a dad that is, you know, either even there or necessarily like an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, my dad had his own small business, but, you know, I didn't know what it was to be an entrepreneur until I started my own company and, you know, ran, ran its course and was a CTO and did all the pitching and all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, having a dad that does that, you know, you're very lucky and, it, you know, it's obviously helped you get where you are today, you know, pretty well, I would say. So that's, that's not cheesy at all. Well, well, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of him, and I, I hear he's proud of me too. So <laughs> That's good. That's me. good. <laughs> um, so before before we wrap up here, um, is there any call to action you would like to give out to you know either for the conference or anything else you're excited about? Uh, you know, one thing I, I, I don't know if you guys can put this in the show notes, but um, because you guys have been so awesome today, and um, I love what you guys do on your podcast. I'd like to give all the um, all the listeners a discount code for I believe it's twenty percent off. Great, yeah, uh, totally. And, yeah, so tickets and demo tables. So if anybody has you know product or service they want to come showcase, we'll be there, um, and they can buy a demo table twenty percent off tickets. They can buy twenty percent off. The discount code is Glazed, so just the name of the conference, um, and they can go to GlazedCon. Con.com uh, to register and, and sign up for a ticket. Great. Cool. Uh, other than that, they can they can register for the incubator um, at stainedglasslabs.com. They can contact me at Kyle Ellicott on Twitter or at Stained Glass Lab because the BS 
we apparently break Twitter's character limit. Oh. So we'll just name Lab. Yeah. Which is uh, real convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or they can reach out to my partner at, at Red Snodgrass. Um, S-N-O-D-G-R-A-S-S on Twitter as well. Great. And can you give us the details about the conference one more time? Yeah, so the conference will be um, over three days. Uh, there's a two-day hackathon beginning on September 28th and 29th. Uh, we're doing that in part with Angel Hack. And I can tell you guys this, there are, it is going to be so much fun. We have companies who are going to be donating hardware um, for people to hack around with and build software off of. What are the uh, SDK? Uh, what are some of the prizes? Do you want to know the company? No, I want to know the prizes. I don't know if you're familiar, <laughs> but we, we've won quite a few hackathons. You don't want here on the show, oh, so oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so not to not to brag, the, but <laughs> um, so some of the the prizes are, are still in the works right now as, as we're we're ramping up. But uh, we do have um, some pretty pretty exciting product giveaways. We're going to have um, some very entrepreneurial and business books um, that people have written and signed for us. We have um, a demo table given to the, um, the winning team so they can come to the event okay. uh, the following day on the 30th Great. to pitch their, their idea if they'd like. Um, and then also they're going to receive tickets to the conference and to our digital fall after party, which is where the fashion show and networking and drinks will take place in addition. Right. What about uh, Katy Perry's dress? Do you think you can like get that somehow? <laughs> For, for, would you like an autograph? I think he just or, or, wants to wear it. I think that's all he wants to do. <laughs> I mean, if, if you just want to wear it, we might be able to make this happen. I don't I, know I'm that I want to wear a dress, but I actually do think color-changing clothes are pretty freaking awesome. Um, something I, I, I do want I, I do want to squeeze another question in. Um, it, well, before I kinda, you, I'm going to tell you this. Oh, yeah, go if, for it. Sorry. If I can get, if I can get that dress, <laughs> if I can get that dress, the deal is, you have to wear it and walk down the runway <laughs> at the fashion show. Well, I think Katy Perry is in good sh I know Katy Perry is in good shape, so I will agree to that pending we can have a seamstress on site or something. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a developer myself, and exercise for me is walking to the car or the refrigerator or, you know... <laughs> downstairs but not not so much um the actual exercise anymore but I, I'll, I'll i'll tentatively agree to that for now awesome perfect perfect okay now your question sorry um, sorry for cutting you off oh no worries um i like it. anything in katie perry is fun to talk about so the uh back to what i was thinking is um since since you are so plugged in and since we've i feel from my point of view that you know, we're on the verge of uh, some some cool wearable watches coming out. I'm wondering what you are excited about aside from the watches category. If there's a specific uh, category or piece of hardware, or genre, or whatever that you are kind of really looking forward to, you know, inside the wearable tech industry. So I'm not gonna lie, I have a lot of interest in the watches. Mm -hmm. Because I was, I've always been a watch person and stopped wearing them long ago just because of, you know, having a mobile phone on me 24-7. Um, but I'm excited to get something that looks really good and that has a little bit of tech to it and, um, you know, it's kind of cool to wear. Uh, 
So I am excited about the watches. What I'm most excited about, excuse me, is where the optic area goes. You know, where does Google Glass go next? And Glass up along with Recon, some of these competitors, and telepathy, like what happens next on that? Mm-hmm. You know, watches is all the rage. You know, Google Glass had their moment. They're still kind of talked about here and there. Watches are all the rage right now. Fashion's probably going to come next, along with info and, and entertainment. But what I'm curious is to see, where does this optic place, where does this optic area take place? Where does it go next? Because a lot of us in this, this world wear glasses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are these companies going to get to a point where that technology is built into our everyday glasses? Is it an add-on? Can it do more? Is it something that we are going to be able to drive with? How does it affect our vision long-term, or does it cause issues health-wise because you're looking almost with one eye or constantly moving with one eye? Uh, a screen and not necessarily the other. And hmm. so that that area I find fascinating because there's so many unknowns and we're going to watch all of those things get answered. Well, you know, one of the if you're if you're kind of getting older and your eyes are starting to uh, you know, have some issues, one thing you can do to sort of exercise your eyes is to focus on a close spot and then focus on a far spot and then focus on a fo- close and then far, sort of like a reps, you know, as an exercise. Ooh. And I wonder if I like there that. is a glasses that you could exercise that just by focusing, you know, the glass would trick you that you were focusing at a far point or a close point, right? And so you could exercise Ooh. your eye muscles to help you increase your vision. That would be pretty cool. You'd have to do your little daily drill before it like unlocks your email or something. <laughs> eat, 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 a, eat a couple carrots while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah really, exactly. So, so that actually just reminded me of one of the coolest products I've read about um, in the past couple of months uh, is contact lenses that are just straight out of the Terminator movies. That's awesome. Where the, nice. Yeah, where the lens actually allows you to have uh, telescopic vision. So you can <laughs> zoom in like two and a half times. Oh, wow. That, that is wild. That is so, cool. I mean, yeah, that with a heads-up display, I should be good to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's so you know, not to continue saying the same thing, but that's what's so fascinating about this industry is like, there's so much of what we've seen in movies and so much that has been, you know, only dreamt up and, and written about in science fiction that is actually coming to reality, which is That's really awesome. and really the fun part of it, though. I mean, you look at history and you look yeah. at, you know, Star Trek and the tricorder and then you look at the StarTac, you know, phone and you're like, well, that came from mm-hmm. Star Trek. There was a show... I was watching it was talking about cell phones and the evolution of them. And Motorola's first phone actually flipped the opposite way. Oh, really? Um, that, mo- that mobile phone, you know, they flipped open. This one flipped down. And their sales didn't do very well or, you know, didn't test very well in, in, in uh, their user testing. And someone was like, well, that's, that's not how you're supposed to use a phone. And they based the usage of the phone off how it was used on Star Trek. Awesome. So the reason why phones open the way they do is because someone was just like, whoa, 
this flip phone does not work like this. It actually works like this, and then that's how all of our cell phones work based off Star Trek. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty now, cool. whether the show was lying to me or not. I mean, no, that's, that's I, I I believe it. Star yeah. Trek uh, yeah. had the first, you know, had a lot of had the first kiss between I think uh, an interracial couple on TV, and you know they yeah. they shaped a lot of our history, you know, as far as you know moving us forward towards cell phones and you know racial equality. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Oh yeah. I'm Star really Trek. looking forward to the not only the Zoom Vision and the heads up display, but the helping me remember people's names app that is going to come up on my. Ooh. I vision display because I'm terrible at that. How do you feel about that? Because that goes back to the comfort level we were talking about earlier. Would you feel comfortable if I was wearing, you know, some kind of interactive optic that I could look at you, pull up your name and your LinkedIn profile or your Facebook profile and tell me everything about you? Like, I'm all for that feel stuff. Comfortable? Yeah, I'm 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 a Google, disclaimer, I'm a Google fanboy, so lots of people like to be like, "Oh, you know, Google is taking all your information and doing evil things with it." But I mean, for the value I get, I'm completely okay with it. They can freaking index every part of me and it, as long as they keep <laughs> a very small percentage of my web searches secret from everyone else, then I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, honestly, honestly for everything that's on the internet, you know, I don't have a lot to hide, so I'm like, "Eh, all right, you know, Google, you know everything about me, so you just keep providing me with you know these awesome services for free that you keep providing me value and I'm I'm good with it. So, so that's that's the truth. If if you're using a product for free and you know you're worried about them taking your data, mm. you are the product. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what they do. And that that was actually said by a friend of mine. Uh, he posted it as like a poster that he created on Instagram today. But nice. it's true. It's 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 very true. Um, so thank you, Avesta, when you hear this, this uh, podcast for, for that little quote today. So, uh, but I'll take the opposite view, which is, you know, with the recent relevations from Mr. Snowden about all of the, uh, the NSA tracking, it doesn't matter if Google doesn't want to share the data. Like if, if you guys are in a room and your Google Glass gets a hit on Merrick, right, mm -hmm. it's not Google's choice to report that to the NSA. It's the NSA's choice because that's the country that we live in. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty scary, right? right? I mean, that's basically camera mobile cameras with a gps on them and a time basically tagging it's like live tagging of people you know i mean you know mm -hmm. if if you get on the wrong side of the law even though you shouldn't be or something gets mistaken you know you might get flagged and then be tracked for the rest of your life so that that's kind of a negative side right totally negative it reminds well, me of enemy of the state and then following minority report yep awesome movies yep. and makes me scared and you know i i swing back and forth there's you know the point of view i just had and then there's the uh the tea party point of view which you guys are now withdrawing from me where i'm mistrustful of uncle <laughs> sam even though i know uncle sam's looking out for my best interest all of a sudden i i don't want to become an enemy of the state because you know what happens they just disappear in the night <laughs> right so, I mean, we have to walk the balance, you know. Yeah, definitely. Moving forward, right. and only and time will tell, I guess. Right, and, then, you know, there's there's so many other factors. When it comes to, you know, privacy, security, um, and, and, you know, to tie it back in the conference, we have an entire panel um, and discussion around privacy um, just because of that, because, you know, you, you have these products that now are going to be maybe more engaging than any other product technically that we've had in the past, um, and it's not just, you know, we'll say data collection, but 
think about video pictures that whole set of data that prior was you taking a phone or taking out your phone taking a picture submitting it somewhere someone having access to it now if you have something on like Google Glass and you have your camera running all the time that video feed is now open someone mm -hmm. someone could tap into that and see exactly what you're doing where you're walking see a new a whole new level you know on the exciting side a whole new level of street maps mm -hmm. you can get the best street level view of anything you've ever wanted on the scary mm -hmm. side you can get the best street view of anything anywhere mm -hmm. um, yeah. and that's that's a little nerve-wracking uh, I think and that's part of the whole you know comfort issue that people are gonna have trouble with is saying okay I, I don't mind wearing glasses that have the technology but but I'm also a little okay with them seeing what I'm seeing yeah well, I mean, uh, we basically would have a much better video of Michael Phelps taking the bong rip than just the single photo, right? So, <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's so true. It's that Michael Phelps is, a, is an interesting gentleman, and, and congratulations to him on all of his gold medals. I'll just definitely, say that. yeah, but exactly. Yes, we would we would have a much better view of it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. If I did a percentage, and I mean a single-digit percentage of the exercise he does, I'd have a better shot of fitting into Katy Perry's dress right now. But <laughs> it's going to be a unlikely I, proposition at best at this point, unfortunately. I think, we're, I think we're all in the same boat on that. Yeah, that man is a working-out machine. Definitely. Hey, what if there's an underwater Google Glass and we could watch him win, win from first person, right? Like That That'd would be cool. cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That'd be wild. Google I mean, Swim goggles. You know, Google Swim, the next version. Of Google. <laughs> underwater. <laughs> Take your next underwater adventure. Holy, under. Google Swim. There's, there's the infomercial. Google, Thanks, Google it. Take it. I like it. Have it. Yeah. Great. So is there anything awesome. else you'd like to finish up with before we go here? Uh, no, I just I, I hope to see everybody at the, the conference. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, get it. Stuff. No, I think we'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there for sure. Time. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't wait to see you walk down the aisle. Excuse me, not the aisle, <laughs> the runway. That's <laughs> changed now completely. You're, You're going to walk down the runway. You walk down the I will be giving you away to the audience. Uh, I'm, I'm all of a sudden hoping that that dress is really hard to come by. <laughs> like really, really hard. And we are talking about that particular dress, mind you. <laughs> yeah, I will not is, settle for any substitutes. <laughs> I need verification. I need certification oh, that this is where yeah, it's born. It, I have to be convinced. And if I am, shit, I'll do it. I said I will. I did. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> awesome. No, guys. Thank you very much for, for having me on and for chatting so long. And for the listeners out there, thank you for listening all the way through this as I rambled and, and rambled on and on. Um, so thank you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And again, yeah, we had a good time. And hope, yeah, you guys. Coming on. And hopefully we'll uh, see you at the conference. So uh, talk to you later then. Sounds great. All right. Sounds great, guys. Okay. Have a wonderful afternoon. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, guys. I just uh, hung up on the Skype phone. So nice. now it's just us. Cool. So I mean, um, Kyle's cool. Definitely. Yeah, he's really cool, and I I had no idea that he was running uh, a freaking incubator. I mean, mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, um, that was clutch that you pulled that up, and we had all that to talk about too. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I honestly now I want to go pitch him <laughs> the incubator. And be like, hey, I got this idea. <laughs> I got this idea, right? So it's like glass, but a condom. All right, and <laughs> dildo, tel- dildo teltonics. What do you call that? <laughs> Dil- dildonics? Is that what Dild- you? Call? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Great, guys. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Port Forward podcast, and we'll catch you later. Sweet. Bye-bye. Later. Oh, well, that and And I have a beta. I have a a code pub. (laughs) Now that the show's done, I have a codepub.org beta code for all the PFP listeners. All right. Throw it it to me. Go to codepub.org and click on the link that says sign up or something that makes you think you could do that. And then the special PFP listener beta code is J-K-E-Q-G. Again, Julia, Kilo, Echo, Q-Q-Quack. Oh my gosh, you're killing me, dude. It's Quebec. It's Quebec. Quebec. (laughs) (laughs) Gulf. Merrick, you couldn't remember Quebec last time. That's what it was. Certain letters kill me every freaking time because you never use them. All right, guys? Yeah, that's bad, I know. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. And now I'm hanging up for real. Bye. Oh, I'm still changing questions. Welcome to another exciting conference call. Wow. You guys hear me? Hello? Oh yeah, no, I can hear you. Okay, it's so loud. That's a loud. Skype might be promoting it over our levels for whatever reason. I don't know. Can I? But once we get them on as voices, it should be better. Maybe we should keep it not swearing as well if we can. Oh. I know it's so annoying. Like all swearing or like? I don't know. I'm assuming they're going to want to release it as some sort of something. Some sort of promo? I no, well, I mean, I'm assuming they should have listened to our show. No, you don't give a <laughs> So they also would have known. <laughs> oh, man. They, they would probably assume I would listen to our show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm replying to them. Uh, reply all, we are ready. Reply all, we are on the call. Devices. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah.